You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Six Nations Fever is upon us. Welcome to the Attack and Scrum podcast. Uh, as you can imagine, it's a Six Nations preview edition this week, so there'll be loads of chat about that. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Acast, or however you get your podcasts. That way you won't miss any of the views, news, or opinion from us throughout the Six Nations. Uh, as always, big thanks to So Coffee Trades, our sponsors. Uh, I've moved on to the 1984 House Blend now, and it's not only really tasty, it is, uh, it's like rocket fuel. And one of them was enough to, to wake me up and shake off the hangover I had midweek. So make sure you head over to socoffeetrades.co.uk to get yours. Uh, got a man who knows a thing or two about hangovers with me, uh, Dan Killick. We'll be chatting to him throughout the show, of course. And we've got an absolute cracker lined up for you, featuring all of the usual slots that we have. So we've got Fact or Fiction, which this week has been influenced by our listeners. Uh, so thanks for sending in your thoughts and questions to us. Uh, if you want to do the same, of course, you can do so um, at Attacking Scrum on Twitter. You can search for Attacking Scrum on Facebook. Uh, leave us a review as well. You can get in touch with us that way if you do that on iTunes, and we'll always give you a shout out if you do that. Uh, later on in the show, we'll be chatting about what's annoyed us this week, as we'll be banning some of rugby's irritations to the Zin bin. And finally, we'll round up all of the news in any other business in a week that saw the end of Steve Tandy's reign as Osprey's coach, Dan Bigger's injury and potentially the end of Reese Webb's career. Dan, before we get on to the Six Nations, how's your week been? I've had a very good week, Jed. No coffee needed for me, actually, at the Is moment. Is that right? With uh, the Six Nations nearly upon us. I said bright and breezy. Yeah, exactly. You can't get up there this time of year. Um, I was going to ask you about that, actually. Yeah, because some people find it's a bit irritating that you get the kind of influx of the casual fan who only watches couple of games a year around the Six Nations. Is that something that bothers you or are you just all concentrated on concentrated on the, the positives and the good, exciting rugby that we get with the Six Nations? What about the positives for me, Jed? You know, it always is, always is. Um, no, I don't mind. 
I don't mind at all, to be honest. I think the more more people that are watching, the more people that are interested, the better, isn't it? We need as many people as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I'm all good. I had a good uh, good week, and um, absolutely can't wait for for next weekend. Now, bizarrely, I'm going to be in Scotland next weekend. Yeah, yeah. I thought the game was up there. So. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to stag you up there. So. Oh right, so you might need, you might need a cup of coffee at the, after that, then. I might yeah, need yeah, one yeah. or two after that. Yeah, yeah. You're going down, aren't you? Yes, I'm heading to Cardiff for the game next week, which is very exciting. It's one of my favourite fixtures, actually, against Scotland. I think they're, uh, they're always good good fun, the Scottish fans. And generally speaking, we've always tended to get the result in the last uh, in the last few years. So I've seen that fixture, yeah, most years for, for the past 10. Is it a bit different um, this year, though, or not? Oh, I think so. I think it's a big test for Scotland now. This is, you know, we've said before, they kind of remind us of the... Wales 05 era and this is what they're going to have to do you know they're going to have to prove they can do it away from home because we know that they're a force at Murrayfield and they play this fantastic rugby uh, I, I think they've got a damn good shot which we'll get on to you know we'll get on to in a minute but yeah very much looking forward to that one and yeah it's uh yes yeah, that time where just all thoughts head towards uh, head towards the championship don't they so um yeah, it does. Imagine you take the Six Nations out of the year. Mm. It's a long, you know, it's a long old year without it, isn't it? Yeah, it's it generally is. such a sort of such a dreary month. Um, Speaking of dreary, I spent the weekend. Not that you were going to ask, but I spent yesterday uh, up at Allianz Park in North London watching Dragons play Saracens in what was the yeah, dismal dismal weather like it was fine in the fine in the morning and then it seemed as we stepped off the train at Mill Hill East heavens open yeah and it was just relentless kind of drizzle throughout the uh, throughout the afternoon uh, fortunately I had a little hip flask with me to keep take the edge off but yeah it was a pretty pretty dreary um, Anglo-Welsh affair and not a massive amount to cheer about as, as a Dragons fan but anybody anybody look good there uh, yeah, so uh, Lloyd Fairbrother came off the bench and grabbed two. I mean, he's been he's been a real revelation this season. He's really kind of kicked on, and yeah, he under Jackman, up, he's, he? you know, I think he's one of those players who have who have impressed the coach and secured his future at the region. So you know, he's good. It, it's one of those weird competitions. We're gonna have, I might have a chat and a moan about this when we come on to Sinbin later on. But um, yeah, it's you know. It's, Good to see some of the players back in action. A guy called Rio Dyer played on the the wing, and he's got some serious gas. Like, he looks like there's nothing of him actually, but he is mentally is that quick. His debut, isn't it for the? Yes. Dragons. So yeah, he's um, yeah a, a real athlete, and you know there's there's no substitute for pace. Is there? So you know, like, that's what that tournament's all about, isn't it? I think, but um, yeah. So no, you know, perhaps not the not the most not the most amount to cheer, but uh, used to that. Right, Six Nations, first part of the show is fact or fiction, where we debate a series of statements to get to the bottom of the week's big issues, and naturally they're all geared towards specifically Wales's Six Nations campaign, actually. And as I said earlier, we've asked some of our listeners to get in touch to, uh, to help us form that, so some of these have been inspired by uh, some comments from our listeners. So where do you want to begin? Do you want to go first, Dan? Yep, go on in, hit me with it. All right, I'm going to go with... This one, and this was again sent in by uh, by Garant Jeremy, uh, who follows us on Twitter and, uh, and listens to the pod. And he says Josh Adams's great run of tries should see him start for Wales against Scotland. Fact or fiction? It's a fact for me. It's a big call throwing him in 
um, you know, debut Six Nations. But I actually feel that against Scotland, that's the perfect match to put him in there. His confidence is going to be off the scale. And, you know, Scotland play quite, quite a sort of loose game. So I think we can afford to put him to put him in there on the wing, and with the amount of injuries we've got, we're not you know we're not we're not sort of blessed with options, are we? So for me, I would definitely start him. Couple of points. That's one way of looking at it. It's, it's kind of the ideal time to do it because you've got injuries. At the same time, though, do you think that it's also cause for caution because you don't have that level of familiarity? You don't have players in there who played with each other before, is it the time to be chucking in a youngster in when you don't have a settled back three? I think it really it depends. If you're gonna if we're gonna I'm gonna start him, yeah. And then you've got to you've got to work back then have you so if you've got a Scarlet um Scarlet nine half backs and stuff in a minute. But 12, yeah go on. So yeah but that's so, so you're saying there'll be enough familiarity in it, the back line. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Then I think we can afford to have him on the wing. Um and then it's a really interesting one then at fullback, um, but it all comes down to who you're picking around them. But I, I, I just think we can't ignore him. He's absolutely on fire, and we've always said you want to pick players that are on form. We do. Cast your mind back to the autumn, and we were banging the drum for Steph Evans very, very loudly. And it's safe to say that he had a tough autumn. You know, he didn't, he wasn't able to, to, you know, to jump straight in at international level. Would that affect your thinking in selecting Josh Adams? You know, the fact that you've had kind of flavour of the month come in and maybe not make that step up, especially when you're going into Six Nations, which, you know, as we know, is, is just all about all about getting those results. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's in the squad, isn't he? It's almost more of a risk, really. You know, you know potentially leaving him out if we mm. do get... We're going to get further injuries, aren't we, along the, along the way? Yeah, one or two of the wingers may come back into... Um, get their fitness levels up, and, and we'll come back into the the four. But um, I, I don't see. I I just think we want we need to see we need to see him. He played on the weekend again, didn't he? Looked good. Um, I like the fact that he can play in a couple of other positions as well at club level. Um, so he's, he's not just an out and out winger. I think he was amongst the tries again actually at the weekend. Yeah, he, he got a he got a brace. Yeah, really. um, yeah. I I know it's a risk. But I'd like to see him in there. I really would. He's 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 very very quick, and it's something that we've uh, we've been lacking for a long time. In my opinion, it's more of a risk playing north. Go on. He's he's had he's had next to no game time. Um, Scotland love the cross kick. You know Seymour's great in the air. Mm. North isn't. He's poor in the air. Um, You'd be comfortable with Josh Adams. With that aspect of his game, you think he'd be he'd do a better job than North when it comes to covering those crossfield kicks and the, the yes. kicking game that's got no bring. I've seen him. I've seen him take a few. Um, he seems all right under the under the high ball position. He seems good as well. North tends to get sucked in. Um, so there, there's not many people are talking about that, but that's a bigger risk for me. What do you, what's, what's your take on it all? Again, I've still got a kind of what's the words. Um, Still got to be a little bit cautious with my opinion on it because I've only really seen Josh Adams play a handful of games. So I, from what I have seen, I'm impressed. Like you, I like his pace, I like his finishing ability, and that really, that really impresses me. And to a certain extent, I think you're right because until you do expose players at the highest level, and he's not playing European rugby for for Worcester, 
until you know you do get to see him at that level, it's hard to it's hard to say whether he's got the the capability of stepping up. Mm. I think you're right. You know, if you're going to put him into one of these games, this is probably the one that makes more sense. It's at home. You know, you, we will go into that game slight favourites against Scotland, and you're right. I think there'll be a lot of familiarity in the back line. You, you don't want to chuck him in against England away for his first cap. So yeah, I you know I'd be very very tempted to start him, and I, yeah, I completely agree actually with what you're saying about North, not only from a fitness point of view, but also from a from a capability point of view and, and the game that, that Scotland will bring. So I'd be very very tempted to go for him as well. Yeah, I can see Scotland target if North there. I can see Scotland really tar- really targeting him. Um, I know he's got a lot of experience, mm. but but Russell loves that that crossfield yeah he does doesn't he and he he, he's excellent at it Mm. he really puts it where 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 he wants it to go so um yeah let's see what happens all right so we're both going for josh adams to start then we're both brilliant yeah all right we'll go for that let's stick with the selection issues then and as we were kind of alluding to then i think this one is going to be cause for debate up and down pubs clubhouses terraces uh of wales and beyond and it's this one. With Dan Bigger out, Reese Patchell should start at ten. Fact or fiction? I've, I'm, I'm all over the shop at, at ten at the moment. You're going to phone me in the middle of the night and say you've changed your mind. I will be. Yeah, you'll be, yeah, you'll be getting WhatsApp, MSN Messenger, Bebo, the lot. I, yeah, I was going to say the the more dated references, the the better there from you. The <laughs> yeah. Chances of getting a WhatsApp off you are few and far between. I think you check them every two or three days. <laughs> You're like you send you're me like a, my mother. I send you. Know, I love like, you send, I send me a WhatsApp, WhatsApp and then a text. Yeah, follow up by just a text. to make sure. Yeah, hello. Short of ringing your landline, it's like <laughs> the only way of getting hold of you. Yeah. Go on then. What are you, what are you saying for ten? Um. Right. At one point earlier, I was going with Anscom at ten. Mm. Okay. Um, and Patchell at fifteen because. I love the fact that Patchell's such a threat. Um, and I think it'll make them think a lot. But what I didn't what I didn't think about was the fact that whoever's playing 15 is going to have to be tackling, is going to have to be a very, very strong tackler, mm. not just head-on from all over. Yep. Now, Halfpenny is an outstanding tackler. Yeah, he gets his head on the wrong side from time to time. But... He's always in the right position at the right time. His head's not. His head isn't. No, no. Hopefully, he'll he'll be all right this this campaign. Um, and again, with their cross kicking, invariably half pennies mm. in the right place at the right time. So I think there's a big, big uh, case for him to be at fifteen. Um, so for that reason, he's sticking at fifteen for me, which then means that um, so half penny at fifteen. Yeah, which then means for me, Patchell, Patchell's at 10, and it's a nice Scarlet's run of four. Okay, that's of. interesting. Do you think, because again, I've been, if Scotland are going to kick the ball away, it's great having Lee Halfpenny there to, you know, to call a mark or whatever, and, and you know, he does cover that really well. My problem with him is I'm almost more worried when he does try and counter-attack than when he puts boots to ball. Because it just doesn't, you know what's going to happen every time he's getting wrapped up. He's, he doesn't seem to be beating anyone, and it just doesn't look convincing when he looks to to try and counter attack from fifteen. 
So you're kind of playing, you're going straight away to a very defensive mindset that you're going, we're just going to have him in there to, to try and negate that crossfield kick. And, yeah. you know, Scotland are going to score points, whether it's from that or or other means. You know, they've got too many threats in there to to keep them out the whole game. And so, you know, we're going to need to score tries. But then do we have a real threat with Patchell at 10? So is that enough of a threat? Um I think you need a counter-attacking threat at 15 now. I, re- I yeah, just really do. Yeah, that's the concern, do. isn't it? And I think Patchell's got the lot. I can't remember who it was mentioned to us during the during the Auto Internationals that you need, you, know, you do need a footballer at 15 and all the best sides have footballers at 15 and you can, you know, probably with the exception of England when they pick Mike Brown, but you do need someone who's got the ability to, uh, to look up, can counter with sheer pace by beating a man has got a good passing game to bring the wingers into play and I just don't think Lee Halfpenny has that now I think he's done an amazing job at fullback for Wales over the years he really has and that's been based on doing the basics right and being an excellent an excellent defensive operator and kicking very very deep when that was the game we were trying to play go on the other so I'm I'm, I'm all over the shop with this right Mm. the other the other one I like is Anscom at fifteen. Yeah. Half penny on the wing. Yeah. Patchell at ten. I've been saying for a while. Like, I I I would have loved to have seen Half Penny play a few games for Scarlets on the wing this year just to see whether he still looks comfortable there. Because I think he's gonna get a bit more room out there. You trust him to finish yeah. more than I would any other part of his attacking game. You know, I would trust him to finish and Again, defensively strong. I, I would, I would yeah, like to see him strong, on the wing. Aerially strong, yeah. And, and he's in there for his goal kicking still. Yeah, and he can help out. You know, he can he can sweep with um, with Anscombe if Anscombe goes on a run because Anscombe for me always looks a lot more comfortable when he's got a little bit. He's got a little bit more time, mm. and he has created some great tries over the last couple of seasons from fullback. I think he's looked great at fullback. Actually, yeah. I think the, we said this a couple of pods ago that both of those players to me look like fullbacks. And very, very good all round, pacey, good kicking game, inventive fullbacks, and and that's what you know we're going to need one of them there for me, in my do, opinion. Do you, you like the sound of that then? Patchell ten, Anscombe fifteen, half penny. I'd go the other way around, potentially. But even then, actually, but then you break, up, me, Gar- you break be... up Gareth and. How important is that? I'm not sure. I I think I think it's big. I really do. Um, you think what with with Webb and Bigger out who know each other so well, you're going to need yeah that level of familiarity and that God, I don't yeah, know actually. And I'm, also, I'm starting to U-turn myself. Here. I do, yeah, it is it's so hard, isn't it? Yeah, I do. I do think it's really important, and um, equally with the back row, then the back row as well, mm. which I'm sure we'll come on to a bit later. Yeah. Well, we will. Yeah, God, I don't. Know. Do you know what the thing is? I'm. Um, I was wondering the other day about do you look at. Yeah, do you look at Owen Williams at ten even? Because to me, I I wasn't overly sold on him at centre during the during the autumn. I felt like we were just playing a lot more behind the game line. So he was putting out these you know his lovely miss passes, but again, it all seemed a little bit lateral. Now that's not his fault, but I don't think him being the second ball player is is the answer. And for me, what I think particularly when you you, know, you think back to when he was at the Scarlets and then at Leicester. The, time, the times I've enjoyed seeing him play the most were probably when he was at 10. And 
I don't know, you just you're gonna need a really, really good kicking game. And out of those three players, I think Anscombe's probably got the weakest kicking game. I would say Patrick and Owen Williams have better kicking games than that. I don't know. He won't he won't pick Owen Williams at ten anyway, so I think it's largely yeah. academic. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just really want to see Patrick play fifteen because I, I know think I, he's yeah. That's, I do. That's the opportunity to, yeah. to really show a counter attacking yeah attack a, a full proper this rounded fullback who can counter attack. Yeah, he's he's. I think he'll have a great run there for years and years. Mm. But um, I I I just can't. I just don't want to break up Gareth and and, and Patchell in this. All right, so you're that back. is exciting as well. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And your backline then would be Gareth Davis, Reese Patchell, Adams, and Halfpenny on the wings. Yep. Anscombe at fullback. Anscombe at fullback. Yep. And then Williams and Parks. Yep. Yep. I like uh, I like the sound of that. Okay. I don't know where I'm going to be honest. I don't. Know. Yeah, I'd... I'll, I'll message you a bit later. And it'll yeah, be something totally I, different. I, I thought I thought oh, this would be a good feature because we'll just sit here and rip it out of your indecisiveness. Yeah. And the reality is, we've I, only got an hour. Yeah, I know that's it. All right, let's move on, uh, and let's talk about the style of play now. So again, this has been we had a couple of, as you can imagine, <laughs> we we never go a week without talking about the style of rugby that Wales are trying to play. And we've had a couple of tweets in. One from uh, from Gasman Roy, who's a regular listener, and Chris Prescott, who's on uh, who was on last week, of course. So both of these relate to how Wales are going to play this game. So the first of those is Wales should resort to a power game to neutralise the Scottish pace and flair. The coaches won't be able to implement a scarlet style game plan for this game. Fact or fiction? <laughs> Should we be it, going for power? I think we need to go. We do need to go with power, um, but equally, you know, not not at the expense of you know mm. when there's you know when there's clearly something on. We've got to we've got to shift it because the, I think the back line is quite exciting as well, um, and they will they do have a they've got quite a sort of. Cunning back row, haven't they? They're mm. they're they're wily, they're astute, quick. Um, yeah, and and Barkley knows a lot of our players. He's he's an, he's outstanding, isn't he? He's been, yeah, he's, he's, brilliant been he's been brilliant. I mean, since yeah, he's he's just great. And you can see if we just keep hold of that ball and keep and keep sort of trucking it up and looking to boss them, like you can see them winning a turnover. With obviously, Watson's a, an animal, isn't he? Um, so I think we need to really do need to mix mix this up. Um, again, I'm I'm back and forth on this one as well. That you think you know they're they're massively struggling up front, aren't they? And we we should we have to do a job there. It's not a case we should, is it? We've got to do a job there. Yeah. Um, our two second rows are enormous. There's some real weight there. Um, and I think you know we got a we got a brilliant line-out operator, haven't we, in Shingler? So we just need to play sensibly, play to play to those strengths, but then. Let's have a you know let's have a good go at them in the backs when it's on because if we got the combinations right and we do go with um, the Scarlets four, it's good and then Josh Adams there as well so it's a little bit of both for me. Yeah, well that that's it. Just to, just to add a little bit of colour. So I'll just put um, Chris's point in here. So he says that Gatlin's quote of "We won't be afraid to of taking them on up front," and what does that say about the mindset of of the coaches? Yeah, for me on this one, is I just think like 
New Zealand take sides on up front and smash them to pieces up front, but with you know with power and set piece, any side in the world, if you've got that in your locker, you know you you can't compete with you can't it. compete with power. You know if you get smashed up front, you're going to be hard hard pressed to to win any game, and I think that is the difference. So taking someone on up front is very very different to just relying on playing tight 10-man rugby because I don't think that's what we're going to do and I don't think we can afford to do that against Scotland but if you've got a dominant scrum and if you're able to to get good quick ball and you know plenty of these big lads hitting the hitting the rucks cleaning out good then I think that you know the two yeah, the two things can go hand in hand yeah well yeah scrum time we'll be looking for, we'll be looking for penalties right yeah Half penny. It, it doesn't mean that you just have to go for goal though either, does it? You know, if you stretch out to yeah, a six quick. nine point lead, then you're into yeah. yeah Gareth Davis taking quick taps. Yeah, we pin, gotta... pin them into the corner, and you know again if your line out is functioning well and you get a good driving line out going, then I'm not saying you know, I only want to see the tries come from that, but yeah, if you, if you can do it that way and smash it and smash them yeah. up and over the line, yeah, know, there's you, lots you of different ways, tries, isn't yeah. it, of using of and, using a power based game, and that in turn puts the pressure on. They try and. They try and play more. That can force more mistakes. errors. Yeah. So you know, I, I think that the t- it's not as simple to say, like the again look, look at the Scarlets, right? The Scarlets play really well because it's built on a foundation of a very strong pack with a good set piece, great line out, and they turn lots of ball over, and that then means that their their exciting, pacey, gifted footballers can can take sides apart. So you know yeah, they're the, not, the two the, things are not mutually exclusive. The Scarlets aren't aren't uh, uh, they're they're big they're big part of the game, isn't it? Is when it's when it's when they get a turnover, they know exactly what to do mm. with it, and the offloads are coming left, right, and centre. They're not they're not running um, you know beautiful moves all the time off off first phase, um, and so that's exactly what a power yeah. what a power based game can do. Can't he, you know suck them in? You, you know, you, you, you're driving up. They're they're committing additional players, and then we're and then we're shifting it out to guys that actually know know what they can do. And if we've got the Scarlets guys in there that all know, are all know it, you know, know each other inside out, then I think it's it's, you know, we we should we should comfortably have enough. I I believe that to beat Scotland. Mm. No, I think yeah, I and we've got to be right going into that mindset, haven't we? Yeah, not I, like you know, we're not going to be we're not going to the ball's not going to be going out to nine. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think. Which it I don't be. think that'll happen. You can't afford to. You know, you can't afford to. And I know the Six Nations is different to the autumn, but again, we've not got long to go until the. You know, we're deep into a World Cup cycle now, and so you, you do have to to be evolving your game. But that doesn't mean that you should ignore the fact that you've got um, you've got a really strong front five, and you're able to to put pressure on sides. And the more pressure you can put on up front, the more freedom it gives the backs. The more confidence they'll have to, you know, to to throw the ball around with a with a bit of freedom. So yeah, we just got to control it. I mean, the first twenty are going to be massive. We just got to make sure that whoever's playing ten can actually control control the game really well when the ball is coming out. That's going to be absolutely key to it. All right, let's move on to another selection based one. I'm going to say James Davis will remain uncapped by the end of the Six Nations. Fact or fiction? Fiction. Fiction if I'm coach. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> that's true. He'd have 25 caps by now if, if that were the case. But he would, yeah. Um, I I I feel that he he must have a start. 
um, or at least come off the come off the bench in um, in one of these games. But I think really it'll be he has to start because um, I can't really see him featuring on the on the bench really. Um, Why is that? Um, I think Navidi's going to be the man. Um, There's a strong chance Navidi might start though. I mean, I, we're relying on Moriarty who's had barely any rugby all season. There's a strong chance, I think, that Navidi might start at eight for, yeah, for the every- Scotland game. I think I think they're going to have a real good close look at him in, uh, at Moriarty in camp and see and make a call whether he's going to be whether he's going to be sharp enough, having played very little rugby since the Lions tour. Mm. Well, I guess then, yeah, if we if you he know, d- if, if he picks case, up if he picks up an injury, then yeah, you could see you could see potentially James Davis slotting in on the bench and. And covering, um, you're covering six or seven. Well, and then and again, you shift everyone around. Eight. So you go, you kind of go, yeah. So if in that scenario, if Navidi gets injured, uh, you can bring on. I would say probably cut. Yeah, bring Cubby on to the blind and move Shingler to eight. Yeah, or I mean, and Tip, you know, Tipperick's such a clever player, isn't he? Yeah. That you can. You, you can imagine him... He's put, packed down at eight he for, has, the, for the Ospreys, for the Ospreys isn't it? Yeah, he has been, yeah. Um, and they do have more time, don't they? Mm. At eight now than they ever did. So it's probably slightly, slightly easier than, than, it, than it used to be yeah. to play at eight. So I think Tipperick, you know, you'd, you'd, whilst you wouldn't want to see him there, you'd probably have more confidence with him there than some of the others. Um, but we're, we're short, aren't we? We're, short we're really there. short of eights, yeah. I yeah. mean, if, if we do get an injury to... Navidi, then you know, with you're relying on Moriarty, he's only got a handful of games and underneath his belt. Ellis Jenkins is the other one that a few people have said, you know, yeah, you know, could he? He's, just, he's such a clever player again that he could potentially, well, he could play easily, you know, six, he's a six or seven, six, seven, easily, yeah. and, and maybe but again, this is my point is I can see, I think Gatland is such a big fan of Jenkins because he looks at him and just sees, uh, he sees kind of mini Warburton in him. He's great over the ball. He's you know he's, he's quick, lively around there. He's, yeah, leads by leads, example. Yeah. And I kind of think that he's the, he is the safe bet. If it, again, if it's me, I like the scenario where Cubby's on the bench and you're giving him a good, you know, if everything goes according to plan, you're giving him a good 20, 25 minutes to come on and have an impact in a game as it starts to break up. And I know it's kind of, you know, saying that you need creativity coming from your seven is, you know, it's kind of like in football saying you, you know, you need more goals. So choose a different right back. I kind of get that it is like that to a certain extent. I just think he thrives when he's, when he's got the ball in hand and when the game starts to, starts to break up. But could he not, for me, it, the, the back row choice is very, very different depending on who we're, who we're playing against. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with Wales, we've, we've had a tendency to stick with, uh, you know the same the same background. I can I can understand why we do that because you gain momentum and everyone knows how each other plays and because it's a, an international side, not a club side, where yeah. you know your you know your teammates in you know inside and out. I, I can appreciate why we do that, but certainly against Scotland, I I would I would have James Davis starting. I really would. It's Be- interesting because I mean Wales had one game plan for a very long time, and that's why that tried and trusted back row of Lydia Warburton Falatau worked because Lydia would get through a ton of tackling uh, as would you know, as all of them would but Lydia in particular and again it enables the opportunity for Sam to get over the ball 
and look to create turnovers. And then in Toby, you've got a really good rounded eight who can who can do everything. You know, he can do the defensive work, he can carry, and he's got good hands. So you can see why that worked. But actually, I like the thought of of horses for courses. Yeah, I just think we we need to do, we need to do that now, don't we? Is have a different you know be able to have a number of different ways in which in which we can play and also look at look at the side's strengths and weaknesses and pick a side that you know pick a side that can actually um identify those and 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 do a job you know based on where we can get the upper hand i mean a, a, an obvious one is the fact that james davis um you know knows barkley inside you know he knows him inside mm. and out doesn't he um they've got a massive amount of respect for each other and I don't think Barkley would, would, would fancy playing against him. And if Shingler's gonna Shingler's an absolute cert to be at six, again it's another nice combination. Um, you know, with six and seven. So I'd I'd ha- I'd have him in there. I think this is the game where, where James Davis um it's gonna it's gonna uh, it's the type of game that he would like to play in. Yeah. I think it goes with all of his skill set. You know, he'll be he'll be up for the challenge against their seven. Um, and if the game does break up, and even if it, even if we are trying to control them, they're still going to be running it from places, and he's fit as a fit as a fiddle. He'll get himself yeah. in, in and over the ball, um, and that is something that we've struggled with, isn't it? If we look back over the last the last few games, it's slowing down their ball. I might pick him at fullback at this rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, ten. You, you, you trust him to get a job done there. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So uh, do you know what I don't? I can I could just see a scenario where he does. He doesn't get a game, and I think it would be a real crying shame. But you can't. I don't know. I. I, I you could see him slowing down the ball. I, 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 I get it completely, and I. I think he is an international quality player, and you know that's why I'd. I'd have him in there. Would you start at, him at, at some point against Scotland? Would I start him? I'm a massive Tipperick fan. Um, my back row would be Shingler, Tipperick and Navidi on the basis that Moriarty's probably not quite going to be fully match ready for that game. I might be I might be wrong on that. If Moriarty is fit, he goes straight into the side. But based on that back row and Moriarty not being quite ready, then I'd have James Davis on the bench to come on 20-25 minutes. That would be my choice. But he'd definitely be getting game time. You, you know, I think you just you can't ignore players who've got that. Oh, I hate the expression X factor, but it's that you know, it's that real star quality. You can do yeah. different things, and to be to his credit, Justin Tipperick has it as well. But he's not playing in a side that's that's playing particularly well at the moment. He's a familiar face. Yeah, he's uh, coming back into form, isn't he? He had a yeah. man of the match. You know, was it a week or so ago? But I said a couple of times now for me James Davis it's the Scotland's the perfect one they have they're not they haven't got an enormous back row no no um, yeah. you know if he's playing against if he's up against the English boys to be honest I'd still back him because mm. it's James Davis but if it's it's just a fit I think it's a fit it's a fit for him and I really hope the coaches are, are looking at it um and saying yeah you know it, it is a bit it's a bit of a gamble but I just think he's good enough yeah no I agree I think it's a nice selection dilemma to have. Yeah, it is. About saying we can afford to leave James Davis out of the side. You know, it's it does show the strength in depth in terms of the quality sevens that we've that we've got. And it's it was such a shame that he was injured during the autumn because I think he would have definitely got game time then. Yeah, and um, also um, I'm looking forward to seeing him being interviewed. Yeah, exactly. He, yeah, uh, nothing else. He's had him 
loads of value when it comes to post-match interviews. In yeah. day, you know, in the day, the days <laughs> where we're just bemoaning boring sound bites. Uh, he's anything but, isn't he? He's anything but. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be good. Actually, while we're on the while we're on the the media coverage point, um, I saw this week that Sam Warburton's been added to the BBC punditry team. Throughout that, have you seen him do much punditry? Yeah, I think he's, he's spot very on, good, isn't he? Yeah, very very good. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 he's well, he'll be straight in uh, straight in when he retires, won't he? He's outstanding at that. Um, I think it's one of those things where actually, because I've been—I think we said this last year—but I've become increasingly fed up with the BBC's, the BBC's coverage, and I think you know, Inverdale just drives me mad. And, and then I think it's become a bit stuffy. And Andy Powell got a, got asked, didn't he? But he um, he turned it down. Turned it down because uh, yeah, he really wasn't allowed to chin a few pints in the middle of it. I think, but. Yeah, that's something. That's something we'd love to see. Definitely. Really right, we've got one more thing to go, and that is based on on who's gonna who's gonna win it. So we'll look at that in just one moment. Right. So the final part of fact or fiction. Then Wales will win the Six Nations. Fact or fiction. Now this is based on Warren Gatland's quote this week about how he uh, he feels that they are capable of doing it. We had the usual kind of bluster at the at the Six Nations launch. You know, I suppose you'd expect him to say nothing other. But is it fact or is it fiction, Dan Killick? Fiction. Yeah, fiction, unfortunately, for me. Okay. Close to saying fact there, though. Were you? I was, yeah. yeah. So, again, the, the as you know, I like, a little, I like a little flutter every now and again. So, we'd run through the odds... At this stage in proceedings, just to show you kind of where it, um, where it kind of lies, right? So England are basically evens, um, favourites to to win it with the bookies. Ireland is six to four, Scotland eight to one, Wales fourteen to one, France eighteen to 14 one, fourteen to one, and Italy five hundred to one. I think putting putting a couple of couple of pound notes on. Uh, Wales and France mm. is uh, there's a bit of value in there, isn't there? Yeah, I think, I think Fra- I'm expecting France to go well. Are you? Yeah, I have no idea. I know it's the cliche, but I have no idea what to expect with a new coach. They've got some undoubtedly talented players, but it's been so long since we've seen a, a consistently good French side that I don't know. I, I, is Jacques Brunel the, the guy to, to turn this around? He's a good. He's a you know, he's a good coach, isn't he? I mean, the coaches they've had over the years have been, uh, have just, have just picked. Well, they they have been picking. So you know, James Day they'd be picking James Davis in the centre, <laughs> wouldn't they? I mean, there's been such bizarre. Who choices. was it? Well, Leo Vermont when he was in charge. <laughs> like he picked, he picked everyone a different side a diff- every week, didn't he? Yeah, so. yeah. It was, it was. I mean, they haven't helped themselves have they at all. So I don't think they they can't be any worse. Um, and yeah, he could he could be the man to. To literally, you know, just give them a bit of direction. Really, I think if you if you you only have to you only have to tweak things slightly and make sure the players are playing in the right position for the fret for the French and give them that confidence, and they could be dangerous. Don't know. Don't fancy myself. I don't think. I don't think you fancy gonna... you fancy you that bet though, wouldn't you? Eighteen to one. I'd rather take Wales at fourteens actually. And again, I don't think I don't think we'll I don't think we'll win it. I think personally for me, I think Ireland are the. Yeah, I think I, smart I think money is on Ireland. You feel, it feels like Ireland-England decider at the 
at the end potentially on the on the last day it's Paddy's day yeah. at Twickenham and that'd be quite nice to see to see that if we're not, if we're not in the running I'd, I'd quite like seeing him get a bloody nose there but yeah, I don't know. I think it's a, there's a bit of value in Wales at, at four teams because there is still class in that in that side. And I know everyone, you know, it's it's massively fashionable to to hate Gatland now, but he has picked up three titles in his in his ten years in charge. So it's not unthinkable to think that you know they they still have a coach capable of doing it. You know, he did coach the Lions to uh, to a series draw against New Zealand, which I don't care what anyone says was a was a brilliant result, so his he, his confidence will be high, won't it? Yeah, and well, I don't he know. Knows how to win. Yeah, I, I think he does. Look, you know, whether or not that that coaching side is, like, I think if we if we weren't Wales fans, right, and we were looking at, let's say, it was the same setup but in Ireland, right, and there was a load of, and Leinster were playing the way that the Scarlets were playing, you'd look at it and go, oh yeah, you can't ignore that. You can't ignore that. The form, you know, look at how they they're beating the best sides in Europe, and look how much they 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 lit it up. Oh, and they've got a good coach in Warren Gatland, you know, because we scrutinise it so much and we're ultra critical about it, and we know that for so long Wales have played that direct style of rugby. We kind of think that it doesn't mean that they can't win. It doesn't mean that they can't win it. You know, there's a lot of I mean, every side has got injury problems. Scotland have got a lot of injury problems. Ireland's got a lot of injury problems. Supposedly England have England a load got, of England got massive a load of uh, injury problems. But it's I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's unthinkable. I don't think we will, but I don't think it's unthinkable. Three home games. Yeah, we win against Scotland. But you got the two hardest away, haven't you? That's, we, the, that's potentially the problem. Yeah, we have. Yeah, but as always, so much comes down to that first. Yeah, game, it does. It? it really, especially with us. Yeah. Um, I mean, we just have to go out, win a good performance, and then you hopefully go to Twickenham with a enough confidence yeah. that you can if you can have a damn good run. At if them. we could blow Scotland away, because mm. obviously a lot of people are back in Scotland, aren't they? If we mm. literally completely saw them away, as as England did when they came down to England, yeah, um, that would do wonders, wouldn't it? And then hopefully, as the tournament goes on, we're going to get a few boys coming back in, yeah, in terms of their you know they'd be over their fitness. And injury problems, um, then the momentum could could roll on. Yeah, I, d- I don't think it's what a tournament. I, yeah, it is. <laughs> I, d- I don't think it's unthinkable. Um, that was, I, I don't know. I, I think so. What you what you're basically saying there is, if you played the tournament 14 times, Wales would win it once. And yeah, that I, I think it's, I think it's more likely to happen than that. So I think there's there's definitely a little bit of value in there. I can't see Scotland winning it. I really can't like unless unless they turn out to to be able to to blow sides away. I think they're just a little they're bit away from that. They're not the going to be able to with the front with the with the front row I problems. Think that's it, you can't it? you can't win like that. If they do, they absolutely fully deserve it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. not with uh, you. You can't have that many that many boys out, can you? Hmm. So. All right, so you're saying fiction. Yeah. And who will win it? Ireland. Right, I'm saying exactly the same. There we go. Right. Sim bin time. So this is our weekly look where we chuck something into the sim bin, one of those annoying things that has been knocking around rugby during this week. And I'm half tempted to throw the Anglo-Welsh Cup in, in its current guise. Yesterday kind of just drummed it home to me. Like Again, like paying 28 quid for a ticket to that's stand what in you, the rain. That's what you really don't like, well, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, look, fair play to Saracens. If they can... It's you know, they're, a lot of they're, money. They're half-decent crowd there, considering it? it was... Yeah, it wasn't bad. What, 30? 
30. People. Yeah, oh, right. How many were there? It's a weird... St- have you ever been to Amiens Park? It's the yeah. first time I'd been. No. And it's a weird kind of thing because you've got this one big stand and then you've got two, like, basically temporary stands at either end. And then the other one, which looks like it used to be a Lido or something, <laughs> like, it's... It's a str- yes, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a strange. So I didn't dislike it actually as a ground. I, I enjoyed the fact that I could walk around the side like an old school, an old school ground, um, which was quite good. So even though it was even though it was pissing it down with rain, we did walk up and down the running track at the side. But nonetheless, it's just such a weird tournament. Like it's, it, I know that the purpose now is that it's a it's kind of a youth development tournament, but. You know, again, all I think all four regions got pumped this weekend, or you know, certainly got. We're on the we're on the receiving end of of defeats. There must be a better way. There must be some better way to spend time than this. It just doesn't seem to make any sense. And you got this horrible conference system. So we're playing Saracens, and we're not even in there in there in the same group as them. And I do look back to you know, kind of. 2007, 2008, 2009, which were the great years of this tournament great when it was proper, you know, and you had, yeah, and you had, um, yeah, you had Cardiff winning it, you had the Ospreys uh, in some great finals against uh, Leicester, some real kind of epic encounters, and, you know, and you had to pack that Twickenham final for it. So it's a real shame that the tournament you know, it's kind of come to this. I like the idea of a youth development tournament, but if that's the case, then just make it that and call it that. And, you know, you're allowed to pick a certain number of players above a certain age or whatever it might be. Because at the moment, it just doesn't make any sense. You've got these massive mismatches um, in, in team lineups where you've got someone taking it seriously and someone else sending out a bunch of kids. Doesn't sort make... 40, 50 points. Yeah. Wins. I, you know, I, how much are they learning out of that? I'm not entirely sure. Maybe maybe you do learn a, a lot out of it, but it just seems like a like an absolute mess to me at the moment. It's, you, you, it's you, neither one thing or the other. You can you can you can take a lot on board, can't you, from losses? But when it's sort of forty or fifty points, then I think that's uh, that's going too far, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I'm I'm happy for you to throw that in the same bit. Yeah, I yeah. Well, I think in it, it's just its current its current format. It just makes no sense. Yeah, just replacing it then. Yeah, and I think yeah, and I think if we're looking at fixture crowding and all that kind of stuff, then I'm not sure it I'm not sure it helps. Did you speak to anyone down there about what they thought about it, or was it? No, I didn't. Sort of, I, you, you just sat there. No, I sat there, had a few Guinnesses, and paraded up and down the touchline with my mate Emlyn and. Uh, to be fair, it was it was a it was a good day out, and you know it's, it's always good to watch uh, it's always good to watch some live rugby. So yeah, I can't bemoan it in in that regard. And actually, like I say, fair play to fair play to Saracens if they can pick out you know decent decent crowd to go on to go and watch. So it. How many were there? Then, I do you know what? I don't know. I don't As know. I, d- I wouldn't even know what Allianz Park holds to be honest. Um, I don't know. Um, Keep talking, down. I'll, right. I'll find out what the uh, what the attendance was. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say there was. I wasn't even. I wasn't even there. You weren't there, but really, uh, no. I'm gonna go with about ten thousand. No, I don't think it'd be that much. Um, yeah. um, no. Uh, doesn't it? Doesn't even say again. There we go. It doesn't even say on the uh, on the. There we are. Ten thousand on the website. So yeah, on the button. Let's just go for it. <laughs> Ten thousand. Yeah, I don't know. Can't find. Can't find it anyway. Which again, probably just pretty much sums the tournament up. So yeah, yeah God knows. So yeah, I'm yeah. tempted to chat. The other thing that has annoyed me this week, 
And so obviously we've had Steve Tandy leaving the Ospreys, which we'll talk about in a minute. But following his departure, I don't know if you saw this, but the Boosie Scrum 5 Twitter account released this little like meme thing that said Tata Tandy on there as if it was a, a sun headline or something that was on that was, you know, it was on the lab Bible or something. And I just thought like, how do they get it so wrong? You know, you watch Scrum 5 on TV and it's such a, it's such kind of like anodyne, almost, you know, pardon me a few pundits, it's, it's just like a bit nothingy, it's a bit wishy-washy. And then yet on the other hand, like on their social media, someone's thought, oh, yeah, this would be a good time to, to chuck out a bit of a dig, you know, because the geezer has just lost his job, you know, and you can debate the the merits of, of whether he should be in charge or not, and that's the that's the time to do it. But it just felt like a real cheap shot to try and get a few to try and get a few retweets, and and largely I think was panned. Well, it certainly backfired, didn't it? I mean, they they took it down, didn't they? Fairly quickly. Yeah, I did see. I saw a lot of comments. I read a lot of the comments mm. about it, and people were were very upset, weren't they, about what was what was said? And I think the the main thing is that Tandy, you know, he he's he had some 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 good times there, didn't he? Mm. He, he put a lot into the Ospreys and he gave his all. And uh, the fact of the matter is, it didn't it didn't it didn't end well. Mm. But he didn't deserve he didn't deserve anything like that. But I mean, it's you know who, who's who, who's running the you know who's running that account. It's not you know it's someone's made an error, haven't they? And uh, they probably they probably hold their hands up. They haven't done it publicly, have they? No, I, well, not that I've seen. And yeah, I don't know. I just find it I find it a real strange scenario that you've got something that's so different in tone of voice on social media than it is on than it is on the television. Yeah, complete and contrast. Complete contrast, yeah. And so yeah, I don't know, it just seemed it seemed like a needless cheap shot for me. And I just think like, look, whether it's on telly, on social media, just concentrate on what the big issue is and have some proper debate about it rather than either going for nothingness as there sometimes is on the telly or having a part you know, having a pop at, at someone's expense there. So, yeah, don't know. That would be the one to, to chuck in for me. Yeah, might be for you to throw that one in. All right. Time for any other business. So, this is a roundup of uh, all the other news and a week that's largely been dominated by by injury news, really. So, Webb and Bigger, I know we've looked at different scenarios in the back line, but you can't underestimate how big a loss both of those two are. Huge losses, but equally, it's quite exciting now, isn't it? I mean, we've just had a 50-minute hour chat, haven't we, about, uh, you know, the back line, 10s, 15s, you know, centres, back row, who we want to see, and we're, we're, we're probably, we're in a, well, we agree with each other on some, mm. in some positions, but don't, and that's that's going on all, you know, up and down, up and down the country, isn't it? So, um, we do need to build for the World Cup, yeah. and by having those two out, probably not a bad thing albeit it may go against us results wise but if we're building we're building so i flip it straight into a positive <laughs> yeah no oh, i mean look i think the thing for me is as well is this is kind of the realization that we're not going to be seeing reese webb play for what potentially ever play for wales again ah, we're going to see him aren't we you do think somebody's gonna yeah i do actually i just think like look gatland is going to gatland will have gatland uh, is going to be a very strong word in martin phillips's ear Going, I need Reese Webb to play for us during the during the Rugby World Cup. But there is a call, isn't there? If there's some sort of injury, mm. 
for and then where do, where do you draw the line if there's an injury if someone's well, I think with if this, someone's playing yeah. appallingly badly yeah can that can they can he put his hand okay. up and say that's why I think this one is just easy is easier to go look there's been some confusion over when the contract was signed did Reese know did he not so this is the ultimate line in the sand here's the last one and I kind I, I still kind of think that part of it was wanting to make an example out of Webb. So that not him specifically, yeah. but a high-profile casualty to show. Look, it doesn't matter. No example. No, no. But I think there is enough grey area here to say, all right. And they've made their point. You know, the point's big enough, isn't it? The I didn't think they needed to make an example of, of of anyone. Just there's the rule. He signed a pre-agreement or an agreement, whatever, mm. whichever way you look at it, isn't it? He didn't need to be. He didn't need to be. Uh, the guy that the guy that misses out. Yeah, and I, I just think that you know because actually you know I really hope that Gareth Davis goes really well. well he's now, playing again, superbly well, isn't he? He's playing fantastically well, and you forget that he has stepped up in Sasha over four when Webby um, busted his ankle ahead of the Rugby World Cup. Gareth Davis slotted in and had a fantastic yeah. tournament. You know, Blimey. you never forget that those tries at Twickenham against England and South Africa. You know, you're never going to forget those. So I think he'll, you know, I, I think he'll do a really really good job, but. All I think is just you're never gonna you're never gonna not want Reese Webb in amongst that squad as long as he's playing to the level that we know he that he does more often than not. So yeah, I don't know. I hope that I hope he gets the opportunity. I, I'd be I would just be gutted from a personal point of view if I never get to see him play for Wales again. And I don't you know I don't know where yeah, he'll end up. I'd be willing to put a bit of money on it that uh, we'll be seeing Webb again. God, are you chuck it chucking around? Chucking around Apparently. money on bets. Oh yeah, there we go. Yeah, last of the big spenders. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I won the last bet, didn't I? Can't remember what it was, no. Yeah, you did actually. Yeah. I can't. It was back this time last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a rare one, wasn't it? Yeah. But, um, Scottish hooker, wasn't it? Did he? Yeah, got yeah, yeah, Ross Ford. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Ross Ford played for the Lions. That's yeah. a memory for you. Fair point. Um, right then, so let's go back to Steve Tandy. So that was the other big news this week. He's gone. Um, Were you disappointed? Was I disappointed? Um, look, I think it, I think ultimately the right decision has happened. Um, based on the Pro 14 form at the start of the season and actually the arse end of last season, you looked at it and just thought something isn't right here. He's not able to get enough out of these players. And it's a good squad, right? It is a good squad. We said before the recruitment wasn't great over last summer, but there is, you know, there's, they're chock full of Lions and seasoned internationals and really bright talented youngsters so I think it probably is the right decision go on because is it not a peculiar time yeah to is. do it yeah absolutely that's what? that's the thing is I, what I find really strange was they had a contract extension in the summer uh, so they obviously thought they were backing him then and then having had that awful start to the season the European campaign's not been bad no it's really not you know I think if you look at all of those games, actually, you know, narrow defeat uh, against Claremont, that amazing performance against Saris, then you had the two wins against Northampton, who, to be fair, in a worse state than, than the Ospreys were, and draw against Saris in a, you know, and then and then beating out in Claremont. But they, they they were pushing right up until the last. So and they have got better, haven't they? Yeah. So you, you'd look at that and think, well, yeah, surely this wasn't time to go. So I don't know. Does, does it make you think they've got someone lined up? Yeah, I'd say they, I'd say they have, and they probably, they've probably been working on something for quite a while, and they've obviously got to a point where it's, you know, it's pretty much a done, mm. pretty much a done deal. Um, but they, 
with the Ospreys, you're right. The squad they've got too many good players there to be playing to be playing as badly as they have been in certain games. But then we've watched games last year where they were you know where they were outstanding. Hmm. Um, that one game in particular that you mentioned, and it just shows that when when they're playing against when they want to turn it on, then they can do it. And I think to be consistent, that's where you need the manager and the coach and the co- and the whole setup to be to be behind the team and give them drive. Because I think as a player, as a playing unit, you can get yourself up for certain games, but you can't do it consistently if yeah. there's something wrong in the camp. Um, and it can it can be small things that just spiral, can't it? But whatever hap- whatever's happened there, it's 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 not been great. And that's why we've seen these sort of you know wonderful performances, and then you know not not even mediocre. They've been they've been just absolutely yeah. dire, and you can't have that, can you? So no, you're right. Um, Some of the names who've been linked with the job: um, Philo Tiatia, John Humphreys, Chris Boyd, the um, the Hurricanes coach, who a lot of people seem to think is heading to to Wales in some guise or another. He's supposedly on the shortlist to succeed Gatland. Anyone who you think stands out as the right choice? Humphreys has um, a lot of a lot of the players, haven't they? Have said that he's he's a great, great coach. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it's something that probably he would really like to do because he'd be in that number one, you know, that number one slot, wouldn't he? Um, from a from a Welsh perspective, I'd quite like. I'd quite like to see how he, you know, he would fare up, um, but I can't quite see it. I can't quite see him being, um, being the number one there. I think it might be one of the, one of the other boys. Have you got any ideas on? Well, again, I, I quite like the look at Humphreys actually, and I think that's a realistic appointment. The Chris Boyd thing, I think, is a really interesting one because obviously, you know, he's a coach with real high pedigree. There seems to be a massive desire to get him to come into Wales. You wonder if he did end up at the Ospreys, would it be on a two-year contract with a view to taking Gatland's job after that? And again, is that really what the Ospreys need? I think I, I do think they need a, a top a top class coach, but how much money are they prepared to, you know, to kind of to throw at it? Um, it's exactly you know again they got your Cardiff Blues in exactly the same position. Only their search has been going on for a lot longer, so you you know you really do start to start to wonder about it. I I get the feeling that they have someone lined up, um, just based just based on the the timing, the timing of it as yeah. much as anything else. But again, you know it's going to be it's going to be crucial because we're into we're into February next week, and that is prior or this week as, as you're listening to this, and that you know you you've only got a couple of months left of recruitment. You know you're not going to do your recruitment in May. It's and that squad needs bolstering in the right positions. So, so yeah, it's a really, really interesting one. Um, a lot of chat has been made about Philo Tiatia and just the fact that he was such a such a massive figure at, at the region during their successful days. You know, and in the Galactico era as well. You know, he was there when the Collinses and the um, the Marty Hollers and Marshall and. Hook, Burn, incredible. And you just go Shane Williams. Games. You know very that was, different times. It is very different times. And actually, one one thing I will say about Steve Sandy is I think he did a very good job at transitioning into a new era of um, of the Ospreys. You know, 
it wasn't okay. Let's go out and buy a seasoned international like they did during that era. It was like right, let's bring more in, bring more in. It was a case of actually, you know, we need to to bring through young talent and and he kind of yeah, I he think did. he, he proceeded over the post Galactico yeah, era. Did a wonderful, did a wonderful job, didn't he? And did a good job in that knitting yeah. that all together and. You know, I mean, coaches, managers come to come to a point, don't they, yeah. where you need you need someone else to to come in and and, and help out, or you you get replaced yourself. And uh, everyone has a lifespan, don't they? And what he did, what he did in the early days was brilliant because that's not easy to do, is it? Especially with keeping everyone together. And I, I, they they did play some really decent rugby. When you go back and look at the look at the stuff and the style they were they were they were doing, it was it was enjoyable stuff. All right, last one then, very last one, very quickly. Looks as though Angus O'Brien is heading to Scarlets next season. What what do you make of that? It's a bit, straight, bit of a strange move, that, isn't it? Um, I I quite like Angus O'Brien. Um, I think he's a really gifted, gifted mm. player. Um, I would have liked to have seen him stay at... You know, stay at the Dragons, really. He's a young 10, isn't he? Um, well, youngish, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, he's been around the scene a while. Yeah. Um, obviously, Dragons are going to be, they're going to be, you know, bringing in and bolstering the squad, aren't they, as the years go on now. Um, Scarlets do need, you know, um, Dan Jones does have a few a few injury concerns, doesn't yeah. he? Which are, they're, they're bound to re um you know, reappear as as the seasons go on, and as he, and he as he gets more and more game time, you know, Patchell's Patchell's going to be away with the Welsh squads. They do need another, they do need another ten. Um, not quite sure whether he's quite right, but uh, he's quite he's quite an uh, he's an attack minded ten, mm. isn't he? Um, I think with the right coaching, you could see him. I don't know, you might see him fitting into their game plan well quite easily, really. The way the Scarlets do it, you yeah. you, you, you probably back him now to be uh, maybe the next Welsh ten. But I mean, um, yeah, they, I'm not sure about that. No, but I'm in cheek. But they're doing they're doing a lot of uh, a lot of great things, aren't they? So he'll be what a great move for him. It is. I think yeah, he'll be really excited by that. I mean, yeah, if he gets uh, if he gets the opportunity, it could be it could be a good move for um, yeah for the Scarlets as well. So that pretty much brings us to a close for this week. So. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes if you've enjoyed it. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, of course, you can always do that at Attack and Scrum on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. There's the Facebook group as well, which is growing really, really nicely. So if you search for the uh, Wales Rugby Fans, and you'll find us on there. And that's just a forum to, to chat throughout the whole of the week. So yeah, that's um, a good place to be if you can't get enough of your rugby chat. And yeah, if you get time, have a listen to some of the recent episodes. We've had some good guests on, and hopefully, we're going to be getting a load more, a load more good guests very, very soon. So, some uh, yeah, interesting guys we've been chatting to, and yeah, if we can get them on, that'd be uh, some real interesting listening ahead. It means I might be able to bump Killick out of the way for a few weeks. And <laughs> finally, of course, big thanks to the sponsors at SoCoffeeTrades.co.uk. We'll see you next week, and enjoy the Six Nations. Podcast Network.